Hi, I'm Terry, Instagram's sassy sober mum. Welcome to my podcast, Sober Stories from Everyday People, bringing you stories from people just like you and I. The aim of this podcast is to share our experiences with drinking and how we got and stayed successfully sober. Have you got to the point where you're really ready to stop drinking? Can you admit, hand on your heart, that you cannot moderate and there is no point forcing yourself around and around the Ferris wheel? Do you want to get sober but don't know where to start? Or do you wish that you could get some positive results this time? In my private membership group, Thrive, you will find the recipe to get and stay successfully sober. Thrive offers wonderful support, guidance on how to start, how to get past specific challenges, and it also includes weekly Zoom meetings. There are many people that have joined Thrive on day one, and now they're celebrating milestones they've never achieved before. Visit www.sassysobermum.com thrive for more info or to sign up. Hello and welcome to Sober Stories from Everyday People. Today I'm talking to Luke, originally from Stratford-upon-Avon. He's currently living in Wales and he is nearly 10 months sober. He'll be celebrating his year of sobriety on the 1st of November. So thank you so much for joining me, Luke. Hello. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure. I am always so excited to have a male voice on the show. Um, <laughs> I think it's hugely important to have male voices. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful for you coming on and sharing your story. Um, so why don't we just get to know you a little bit before we dive into that story? Who are you? Tell us a bit about yourself. Uh, hello. Yeah, so I'm Luke. I am 37 years old. I currently live in Wales, in mid-Wales, but I did spend about 12 years in London. Uh, before then, I grew up in Stratford-upon-Avon, Shakespeare world. Uh, I play bass, so I'm really into music. Uh, I've done a lot of stuff in that industry back in the day. Uh, but now I'm big into my fitness, so I'm, I'm uh, training. Well, I went from like sofa, sofa to hiking and walking. Uh, raising money for charities and then I decided I'm going to do a half marathon so I've been training to run 13 and a half miles and typical head first I've already done that a few times in training and my coach is like pulling his hair out but um, yeah I just love it I absolutely love it so yeah a lot of fitness a lot of running and uh, just getting outside really getting out in nature yeah Nature is great therapy, free therapy as well. Yeah, isn't it? Um, yeah, it is. The half marathon, I think the longest I have gone distance-wise is the Great South Run. I think they do a Great North Run wow. as well. But that's 10 miles. And, oh, my yeah. God, between <laughs> mile eight and mile 10, I honestly thought my <laughs> hips were going to fall off. <laughs> I, You know, it's, it's a long way. So I have huge respect for people that do – even longer distances than 10 miles yeah know. I uh yeah I mean I started off at a mile and I couldn't even do that and then all of a sudden now I'm doing like 13 14 miles just around my area people must think I'm crazy because I'm like oh. running past their house back and forth and like but uh yeah it's been amazing running is just brilliant like you said as well especially for the therapy side of things being out in nature I'm like really enjoying it so yeah it's great do you run with music or are you kind of like really hardcore and don't? Uh, see, I'm, yeah, I'm hardcore because I don't listen to music and everyone's always like, what, how can you do it without listening to music? And I'm like, oh, it's just, it's just better. Yeah. Do you yeah. know what? I, I think that I can understand. I can't do it or at least <laughs> I shouldn't say that because that's very limiting, isn't it? I haven't done it historically. I've always had music to push me on, you know, kind of through if you like but yeah I always look at runners without headphones and think god you really look like a runner and like <laughs> I, I always have Hello. the utmost respect for people that don't run with headphones because they are in a zone that I am yet uh, to find I <laughs> always try and run to the music so if I listen to something really quick I'm like some sort of character at Scooby-Doo like you know <laughs> smoke behind their legs that's why I don't do it so yeah <laughs> love it funny uh, so 
Okay, so let's just get into your story a bit more then. So go back to the beginning for me, Luke. Describe your life with alcohol. What did that look like? Um, Yeah, so I mean, my story is probably deeper than most in regards to alcohol. Uh, From a young age, it dug its claws into me pretty deeply, to be honest. And it was always an unhealthy relationship. Um, As soon as I discovered the effects of it it almost like became I suppose like a magic medicine it was like I'd always like kind of loved the effects that the alcohol gave me um I was bullied at school for being overweight and I had um problems around that and I think because I was so insecure and I didn't really have much confidence it was like it gave me that so what would be like an a weekend thing for my friends I'd always take too far and it was like always in my mind. So if I was sober, I'd constantly be thinking, oh, I wish I had that feeling of like just have after a few drinks, um, that unhealthy mindset. Um, so I filled my life full of being a social butterfly as such because what's a great excuse to drink is to be out all the time. So I, uh, I'd always be out with friends, drinking, um, I'd take it too far. I'd do silly things. It was never like a lot of people, they do drink too much when they're young. That's just, that was just our culture. That was like what it was like for me growing up. I mean, if I couldn't drink eight pints, my friends would think that kind of thing, you know, like, oh, who can drink the most and all that silliness. Um, but when I was 21, I got a new car and I went into town in my new car and I ended up getting drunk. And um, real serious thing, I decided to drive home in my car. It was only 10 minutes away from the local town. So I drove home over the limit, um, which is in like, I don't know if I can even forgive myself for this, but I went round a corner too quickly, um, about two minutes from my parents' house. And I went straight into a house. Um, and I remember it literally looked like a, some sort of scene from a war film. There was like bricks, dust blocks everywhere and I um wrote the car off and the police arrived and they obviously breathalyzed me and arrested me so I spent the night in a cell which is a vile experience and then the next day I went around to the house and the whole house was being propped up so like the whole house the front of the house had kind of um come away I suppose and I, I went to court and the engineer who evaluated the scene um, said that if I had driven a certain amount of inches to the left or right, I can't remember, um, I would have actually gone into the house and I would have, um, unfortunately, well, I could have killed the family and killed myself. So it was like a real big sobering event. Um, yeah, terrible. Um, and what should have been a lesson to me of, of thinking, right, okay, this is serious. I'm only 21 is I just kind of buried my head, head in the sand so I started socialising even more. So I'd go out to Birmingham and spend three days straight, just out all the time, drinking, drinking, drinking. And then I moved to London because I got banned from driving. So oh, what a great way to sort that out than um, instead of sorting the problem, run off to London where I don't need to drive. So I went to London and I studied music. I did a degree in music. And with that, came playing for a lot of really cool artists and bands and things so it was great I did a lot of cool stuff um like I played for Glast- at Glastonbury and some stuff for Radio 1 things like that but because I was so in- insecure and I didn't have much confidence I would drink in order to be confident so I was like rehearse and we'd have a few drinks I'd socialize around that and I'd have drinks and then I'd play and in order to, people would be like, oh, you're so confident when you play on stage in front of a thousand people. And it's like, well, actually, I've had quite a bit to drink. So that's why. that was It was like my, my coping mechanism or my confidence. So mm-hmm. I did that. And then I ended up working in retail um, for a luxury company, a luxury brand in central London. Um, and the stress levels, it, it's like the global flag, flagship. There's like 200 employees. And I was a manager and I used to have to do like public speaking and obviously manage a team of like 50, but also, uh, you know, dual site manage all the different departments with the other managers. 
And it was great, but I got promoted and went to Selfridges um, as a promotion and the stress just became too much. So I was drinking after work every night. I'd go into work hungover and then want to drink as soon as I finished and, and just using it as a, as a coping mechanism for the stress. Uh, and unfortunately, it all kind of became far too much. And I went into work one day and I just couldn't do it anymore. So I kind of had a, a, a bit of a breakdown, really. And I just walked out of work, went to the local pub, cried. And then I um, spent like, I think it was like three, four weeks in my house, isolating, um, just drinking. So you can imagine how bad it was, just mm -hmm. drinking and, and then doing the same. And my parents actually came and saved me, to be honest. So I, I moved to Wales um, and I was signed off work. And then after that, I met someone and I went to live in Woodstock, Oxfordshire, which is a beautiful place. But even then, it was all around drinking. So our first date. I'd had drinks before or and then I would drink on the day and then when I left I'd drink and slowly but surely what becomes like the honeymoon period of a relationship where you're going out and enjoying drinks yeah. I would take it too far you know so we'd go to like a an event or one of her friends kind of parties and I'd end up getting too drunk and I'd make a fool of myself or and it became it just slowly crept in with the relationship but it was it was very unhealthy and it was just a bit more than socially drinking all the time. Do you know what mm -hmm. I mean? So yeah. I, unfortunately, um, it got to a point where my partner said, if you don't go and sort this out, it's going to be over. So she had private health care, luckily. And um, I managed to go to the Priory in Roehampton um, to sort out my, you know, the drinking and just overall kind of mental health. Um, and I, was doing it all for the wrong reasons. So I kind of just thought I'm only here because of her. Mm. And I was in denial, massively in denial. And I just thought, oh, I'm not, I'm not like the other guys here. I can sort this. And, and then I came out after four weeks and I, my headspace just wasn't how it should be. I was still like, oh, I can moderate. I can have a few drinks here and there. And I've been to hospital now. I'm cured. Mm. Um, and we ended up actually, I ended up actually splitting up, um, because of it because I started drinking again and um, so I lost my partner I lost our house the car we had a dog together that I know I no longer see uh, so it was really hard um, and then I instead of sorting it out again I met someone else um, and that was all based around drinking because she was a she drank a lot um, so I kind of buried my head in the sand even more and was like, oh, it's okay. Like, this is a new start. So we'd go out and we'd drink all the time at the local pubs. And I mean, in Wales here, it's quite a drinking culture. There's not much to do. So they're all kind of, that's just what they, you know. Um, and that got too much to the point where I went to a wedding. Uh, and it was the first time I'd met a family properly. And we stayed over at this big mansion, this big house, all of us. And I just got far too drunk um, and I just drank far too much. I made a complete fool of myself um, and it was really embarrassing. And even her, who's, it was her brother's wedding. He came in the next day and said, basically, look, you were so bad last night. Um, I think you should leave. So I had to leave that, that short, cause it was like a three day thing. I had to leave. Uh, I know. So I, and then I spent, Unfortunately, I then spent weeks at home again, and that's where it got to its very worst because um, I was just drinking constantly. Um, and that's where it was like, right. I mean, one evening I was like, actually, I think I'm at the point where I kind of have to drink tomorrow because if I don't, I don't like it's, you know, it's dangerous when you get to a certain level at a certain point. Mm. And I was like, oh my, oh dear me, like I've got to that point now where it's not just, it's almost like, and they call it alcohol reliant, don't they? But I didn't really think I'd ever get that bad, but I think I was. And then my dad came round to see me and all of that, he saw the recycling, he saw all the bottles and the cans and things. And there was like enough to like, you think it was a family of five. Um, so we had a big chat and I, I sorted it out. And then I went back to the Priory again. So I went for a second time. And I'm extremely grateful and lucky because I don't think if, I'd have, if I think I hadn't gone there, I don't think I'd be sat here now with you, to be honest. So... Um, before I went, I had to kind of get sober on my own as well. I couldn't, 
because the, the insurance wouldn't cover a medical detox this time around because it was the second time. So I had a really scary moment of where I had to kind of do it myself, um, which I can't, uh, what's the word? I can't say strong enough how bad that is and don't ever do it. Don't ever, ever, ever just try and stop drinking like that. And I was having like hallucinations and things. And I, I saw like a big spider going at my wall and things like that. And then I'd panic, turn the light on. I know. And then the spider would disappear. And then I'd turn the light off again it appeared it was really weird and um and it was just horrible so anyway I, I, I got I, I did that which was really bad and I shouldn't have done it but I just I was needed help so it was my only way of going to the priory which isn't an excuse but so I went the second time and this is when everything just clicked um I was doing it for me now I wasn't doing it for anyone else um and I really had that kind of light bulb moment and I was seeing a therapist and, and it was an ADHD special, well, an ADHD therapist who specializes in ADHD. And I had a um, six hour assessment, like a real long assessment. And I had like therapy around that. And I found out I had ADHD and it was like not an answer. Well, not an excuse, but more like an answer of things. It's understanding, and I, isn't it? It's gaining an understanding. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd always thought, what's wrong with me? Why do I feel the need I want to drink all the time? Why is my head always uncomfortable? And then as soon as I realised it was ADHD and I started looking into it and researching it, and now I know everything there is to know, well, obviously not all of it, but um, it was just like the, the change of my whole life. Like I I'd started taking the medication for it. Um, and obviously everyone's got different views on medication. Some people are pro, some people are against but in my case, it was almost like if I carried on the way I was, mm. you know, it would be the end. So I gave it a go. And honestly, like, I'll, I'll be 100% genuinely honest. Since that day, which was nearly 10 months ago, uh, nine, nine months ago, I haven't even I haven't thought about wanting to drink. Obviously, I've had struggles. There's not been, it's not been a walk in the park. Mm. But the need for drinking... It was. It's just so strange how it just it just disappeared almost. It was like some sort of weird film where I just woke up and I was like, "Oh my god!" Like, um, and since then I've never looked back. And I've I haven't drank once. I haven't thought about. I, I my sober date was November the first, so it was a really bad time because it was Christmas, New Year, and my birthday's the 29th. So I was like, okay, right, I've got to do this. But because I was doing it for me and because I just thought, you know what, I've had enough of all of this and I've been through so much Mm. and it was so sad and so serious and I've lost so much. I was like, I just don't want to drink anymore. So Christmas, I had the best Christmas ever. New Year, this was great. My birthday was great. And it was all around not drinking and it was like, I can actually be happy and enjoy myself. There was like a funny time where I think I made like a joke and I was really loud and it was almost, I, I had to catch myself and think, hang on a minute. If, like normally I'd think, oh, it's quiet and down, Luke. It's like I've had too much to drink, but yeah. I was sober. <laughs> so I was like, this is amazing. Like I'm learning that you can live a happy, confident, brilliant life full of positivity without drinking poison every blooming yeah. opportunity yeah it's yeah. amazing um and everybody like my parents because obviously they've seen it all and they were like i i burnt all my relationships with everybody and they're just like you're literally like a different person wow. and I, it's just it's mad yeah it's mad and um yeah so since i found out about the adhd i've just been on like a self um self-improvement self-development journey with everything so I've um I wanted to when I got out of the priory, I was like, right, I don't want to be alone. So I found like my tribe, I found my sober community and I reached out. Um there's an online platform called Dry, D R Y Y, which I'm sure you know about. And I've just got really involved with that and I'm now doing like talks on there and getting involved and, and I'm like helping other people. It's really weird, like it's amazing. Um and 
I've started doing all my fitness. I've got a morning routine where I get up at 5 a.m. and then I do, I get outside and go for a run. And then I do some uh, journaling and some gratitude lists and some yoga sometimes. And I read about ADHD and things. And it's just, it's just been incredible. I've been yeah. talking for ages. Sorry. No, <laughs> no, it's absolutely, it's so inspiring, Luke, to be honest. And what people can't see whilst they're listening to this through their headphones mm. is that you are, you have this kind of permanent natural smile on your face. Yeah. You know, you have this, um, you have this very positive energy and, you know, you're kind of beaming. And so, you know, you, you know, you, I, it's easy for me, you know, it's not just words. It's not just words what you're saying. I can really feel the emotion mm. in those words and I can really see it that you're really living, you know, not That's to sound great. too cheesy, but you're kind of like living your <laughs> best life right now. Um, I would yeah. say, um, what, what has quitting drinking done to impact the relationship that you have with yourself? It is, um, see now, I, I always had a very negative um, self. When we talk about self-talk, my self-talk, like now I like to talk to myself as though I'm talking to like a friend or a loved one. You know, you've got, I know that's cheesy as well, but it's all about how you talk to yourself. And my self-talk back in the day was always negative, always wanted to hide away. I couldn't even go to Tesco without feeling anxious or like, just weird like it was really strange I had no kind of social confidence and my relationship with myself was actually really bad um, and since I've gone sober and since I've I mean it's it's all through self-work I've had to put in a lot of work it's not just a bed of roses like there are times where I feel down and things but sobriety has brought me like you've just said I just feel like I'm the best version of myself and I would never have said that before. I would have been like, oh, yeah, I'm doing all right, but this, this, and now it's just all positive because life's too short. And you also learn about the material things aren't so important. Like everything, it's not about money in the car and the house because I've had all that. And, and, and it's all about your loved ones and your relationships around you and, and bettering yourself and being happy and so, yeah, my relationship with myself since going sober is just a complete, complete U-turn, massively, yeah. massively. It's amazing as well, isn't it, that stopping drinking, so often we go into that journey with fear or, you know, fatigue from drinking too much, you know, feeling really low, feeling like a, a bad person, feeling like a rubbish person, and then when you get into the stride of this kind of daily practice or this mm. journey of self-discovery, which I truly believe it is, yeah. it's, it's so empowering and powerful. And there's so much positivity in there that you don't realize when you're on that day one, you don't realize mm -hmm. that if you keep going that, you know, when you get to, yeah, you know, three months or six months or nine months, like where you are now, nearly, nearly, or nine and a half months, nearly a year in, that mm. keeps building. You keep gaining that momentum and you keep the passion to discover more about yourself and to mm. find the parts of yourself that need healing. And, the, you know, part of that healing journey is accepting who you were, who you are, who you're trying to become you know, that keeps, it's a gift that keeps on giving in that sense. You it, know? It, that, this is why, this is why it's actually great that you've said, I know this sounds cheesy because it sounds cheesy, but it's actually just so true. But <laughs> I never, ever thought that by stopping drinking, the snowball effect would be so incredible. Like, uh, like for anyone at home now who, who thinks, because it's all about your mindset and my whole mindset and outlook has just changed completely and it's hard to explain because when you're drinking it's like it's like we would say like if you look at your brain as a pie chart my my brain was 90 percent alcohol and wanting to feel better 10 percent everything else and now i've removed that 90 percent and filled it full mm. of positive things mm. like challenges to better myself and 
like it's just it's just incredible and i know i would have listened to myself on this back in the day and thought oh god it's all right for some people or oh yeah. well he's just you know this or that he's what, what a load of rubbish how cheesy but like i cannot say enough if i can do it and you've yeah. heard how bad i was mm. i know it's cliche but like honestly i was as bad as it could get to the point where if i didn't stop i probably would have you know not made it and now I'm sitting here like some sort of cheesy grinny like Cheshire cat but that's mm. all just become from not drinking find, learn about myself mm. learn about how my brain works mm. filling my environment auditing my environment for people who are there for me and uh, are happy and positive and it's amazing how I always struggled because my friends were all about drinking and it's amazing how if you audit your friendships, which I know sounds a bit like dramatic and a bit full on, but I used to message friends on purpose and say, I'm not drinking at the moment. Catch fancy a coffee. Do you fancy Mm. going for food? And you'll soon see the friends who actually care about you because they'll go, of course, that'd be great. And the friends that were all built around just drinking because they'll be like, oh, sorry, I'm constantly busy or they'll run for the hills. And it's sad, really. But uh, like now I've got such a healthy group of friends Mm. that that we all do stuff like we instead of going and sitting in a pub for four hours and drinking myself to oblivion and spending loads of money, we go for hikes or we go for adventures and it's all, and then you wake up in the morning and you're like fresh as a daisy and you're like, Oh my God, I can remember all that. Yeah. And we've built, we've built these bonds and it's just, it is, it is incredible. Yeah. It's real connections, isn't it? In that situation. And I also think that as you build and as you develop and build those real or those new real connections Mm. um it further it 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 further distances or or distorts those artificial connections that you had with people that you you only had drinking in common with really yeah and it's very hard to have deep meaningful connections with those sorts of friends so I think you know when you were saying there about you know it's sad sometimes that friends drop off I suppose but actually I do think that as you move forward and you pull in the friends pull them closer in the ones that are supportive and are based on genuine connections or you find new ones I do think you almost feel relief that those other friends have gone (laughs) because I definitely because because sometimes I, I I might still have situations every now and then where <clears throat> friendships that are built mostly on wine and um, maybe you know mm. they, there might be an opportunity to get together with those or to do some of the things that I always did typically for me that I always got into trouble doing when there were sort of like yeah. big big nights <laughs> out or big weekends away or things <laughs> like that but actually I don't find that stuff fun anymore and it, I, mm. I've learned that it's okay not to find that stuff fun it's it's okay you know and I don't judge yeah I don't judge my my old friends for doing that it's just that it's not right for me now anymore yeah um so yeah I think that's a it's a complex landscape the whole friendships thing but yeah do you think that the further in you go and when you have those first deep belly laughs with friends or family and like you say I've I've had those very same moments where you've almost you've had that moment and then in that moment afterwards you think oh my god I just really laughed like I've not laughed you know before or in a really really long time and it was all natural and that is such a wonderful feeling can't replicate that I don't even think you laugh that much even when you are drinking I think it's just it's a deep pure laugh and I think that when you get more of those you start to not only just accept that some friendships will drop off, but also mm. kind of, you just, you almost kind of like looking for where you can cull <laughs> because, <laughs> because I think that you start to value your own time. It's very precious. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. you want to be spending your time doing meaningful 
things or activities, you know, whether that's on yeah. your or with, you know, these, these these good friends. So I do think you become more choosy and I do think it becomes yeah. okay that you're not doing the old stuff with old friends that well you you start to realize quite quickly what I would have the fear of missing out over people think well it won't be fun anymore you won't have a good time actually evaluate what you were doing when you were out drinking what value or positivity can you take from those situations other than headaches regret anxiety spending all your money falling out probably with someone not remembering a thing and now like I I find it really important to put plotting milestones into my calendar so I I, especially when I started not drinking I put into like cool stuff that I do every month or every couple of months or whatever so like I went and climbed Snowdon with some people that I met on on the sober uh in the sober community as such and and like you said like you it like you start to realize that your time is precious and that life is short and you realize that I don't want to waste my time anymore in a dark dingy club like that's not me anymore that's not who I am I don't have anything against people who want to do that but I'd rather go and climb a mountain or you also value I'm going on on now but you also value your alone time Mm. like I live on my own I live on my own I do things on my own all the time I wait I go and climb mountains on my own Mm. get out in nature on my own and you learn to realize that actually it's pretty it's it's cool it's good I enjoy it um and before I would have hated that or I would have been alone because I was isolating for a completely different reason whereas now I love the fact that I'm pushing myself and I'm doing these things like the running and stuff on my own and it's great and then I'll plot in seeing friends at the weekend or whatever yeah um do you think that you kind of in that situation you become your own best friend yeah I know it sounds cheesy again but the thing is now I'm plotting in so much stuff to do throughout my day that I enjoy like I'm I'm busy I'm not on my own and bored sat watching Netflix I'm like today I got up and I did my routine at 5am and then I did a zoom call with one of my close friends and we had a chat and just a catch-up and we recorded it for um, some stuff on dry and then I'm speaking to you now which is unbelievable and then later on I'm going to go out and go for a run and, then, and you soon find that your days like just jam-packed with really nice decent things yeah. that you just never do back in the day would you like yeah. there's just no way yeah so, because I think alcohol just makes your world so small though doesn't it you you don't yeah. you're only planning thinking about or getting over drinking really and yeah that you don't have any time or energy or focus or drive to do more simple things. And, you know, yeah. and, and I know when I, I work with people that are early on in the process, you know, one of the biggest things that I try to educate people that are kind of starting out or in the first weeks, months of, of trying to stop drinking or stop drinking is that, um, you need to prepare yourself. You know, you need to come down from the from the dopamine high that you've been on for mm-hmm. for, for two or three decades, and that <laughs> life will feel more bland at first, whilst you physically and mentally recalibrate from mm-hmm. those big hits of endorphins, yeah. and dopamine, and, and and all the stuff that you know chemically you're kind of artificially provoking in your own brain. Well, when you take that away, there is going to be that period of of uh, almost kind of flatness and that sometimes people can go yeah. into this journey expecting the immediate, you know, like where's yeah. my glow, where's my joy, where's my gratitude? And like you said earlier on in the podcast, you know, you have to work hard on that mm. stuff you have to retrain your mind and your brain and make those new connections and keep yeah. doing it and in the beginning sometimes you might be trudging through with you know like heavy legs whilst you 
pick up the books, listen to the podcasts, engage in the community mm. and, you know, do all the things. And and then when you're doing all the things, you know, what what, what can you do more? Of? You know, like do the gratitude, <laughs> do the meditations, do the big long walks, all that stuff. And I think that it's 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 a part of the process that people people underestimate. I think they yeah, underestimate how they're going to feel a week in. Yeah. And yeah, definitely appreciate that. If you spend two or three decades relying on alcohol to fix mm. everything, it's going to take yeah. a week for your brain to readjust. Well, what, what what people, what I didn't realise is, and I think what a lot of people do is they think I'll start drinking and it'll solve all my problems. Yeah. But this is my only problem with life. And but what it actually does is that you're you're no longer covering anything with that substance. So it's raw and it's all of a sudden it's like you're seeing in like a new dimension of reality and for me personally I would be like wow I feel really down at the moment I feel a bit confused who am I as a person because I was always like I am alcohol you know what I mean and 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 then you have to really sit there and go wow like I'm feeling things that I've usually like if I was feeling anxious I'd have a drink now I can't so it's my journey turned from stopping drinking to then snowballing onto I'm going to work on myself now and it was more about it was never like I feel down is it because I haven't had a drink or I need a drink it's like I feel down why let's sit in that feeling let's see why I feel like that what can I do to combat that? I talk about this all the time with triggers and things, emotional triggers. So it's like, right, I'm bored, can't have a drink. I'm going to go out and do something. Or I'm lonely, I'm going to have a drink. No, go and see some friends or family or, I don't know, like uh, fed up. Well, why are you fed up? And this is how I've worked it. So it takes a lot of effort and a lot of hard work and it's not easy. And like you just said, it doesn't just happen overnight, but yeah. trust me, like, like, trust me when I say if you persevere, it's like, it's, it's like the best thing you could ever imagine. Like, it's really hard to, I sound like a bag of baby bell cheese or something, but. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean though. I, I do know what you mean. You know, it's a magic that you can't describe. And I think that's no. one of the most frustrating things about being in a position where you want to help others, which, by the way, is yes. very, very healing for yourself, you know, when you can speak yeah. out and help others. That's 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 a really lovely feeling, isn't it? But I think yeah. if you could just bottle the, the magic in some ways, um, you know, and just give people, if you could just manage to put those, I don't know, matrix like glasses on people and show them they could see how their life would be people would sign up half the world would sign yeah. up tomorrow they would no, there's yeah. no way that people would go oh no stop that I don't want to feel like that I don't want to feel that joy I don't want to love myself in the way that I'm loving myself yeah. in that vision I would much rather be you know what I mean it just wouldn't happen but that yeah. is that is the blind faith that you have to have. Yeah, when you, when you do, you do. And, and it's like, I was like you in that I, my, it's almost like my body emotionally made the decision for me. I had no choice yeah. but to go into stopping drinking because I was so fed up and I was mm. so low and I, the feelings in my body were so destructive that I just had a deep knowing that I was going to stop drinking. And I and it was never yeah. like, it was never, can I do this? I just knew I'd do it. And I knew yeah. it would be hard. Yeah. I knew it would be hard, but I wanted to do it more than the fear of, you know, of, of not doing it. So I, I jumped in and I was like you. I found parts of it quite straightforward because I was... I was in line, my mind and body were aligned, you know, I, they both wanted to get sober. And I think sometimes mm. that's, that's a challenge for people that, you know, maybe one or the other is on the sober boat, yeah. but, the, but the other part of themselves is like, no, come on, romanticize, you need it, you're addicted. Mm. To people, like, da, 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 da. And then people can, you know, can struggle. So I think that getting, you know, if you can, can get to that place where, 
your your mind and body are aligned on jumping in and you know knowing this is and having that blind faith you know knowing this is going to be yeah. so powerful and so good for you not even just mm. in the long run really in the grand scheme of your life it is in the short run to be honest because yeah. if you're on the planet for 80 90 years you're looking at taking 6 months to 12 months to really get to some decent emotional yeah. sobriety it's not a great amount of time really you know it's but not we, at all. we can put ourselves off can't we but we'll do it tomorrow it's maybe it's not got bad enough but it's like how bad do you want it to get you this, know? this is a, a very relevant thing because I always say um, I'm sharing my story so it doesn't become yours, but in the sense of like um, it took me to that level to realise and I just want people to realise it a lot earlier, save you all the like heartache and feeling like this. There's a thing called, I don't know if you've heard of this, it's called the region beta paradox. Have you heard of that? No. And it's it, it's basically a really interesting concept. I'm not going to be able to explain this properly. It's going to be terrible. But <laughs> it's ba- basically, the concept is that sometimes worse things are better than better things. So if you're like, okay, for example, if you've got a job mm. and absolutely detest it, you're getting bullied at work, things are going horrific, you are forced to get out there and get a better job. And in the long run, you're like, I'm so glad that I made that jump because I now see the benefits of this amazing job that I've got. Mm. But if your job's if your job's like rubbish, you don't like it, you don't like going to it, you're bored all day, but it pays the bills and it's not bad enough. It hasn't got to that point where you think, you know what, I'm going to have to leave this job. Mm. You end up in this comfortably numb situation Mm. where you stay in that job for years and years and years because it hasn't got bad enough yet to make you realise that you need to jump. So it's like the worst job is actually better than the better job. Does that make any sense if I explain that? It it does, yeah, it it does. I, I think the overarching thing there is, and it's such a, um, important point is that you have to get to the mindset that it's bad enough do you know what I mean yes like, exactly exactly that is, that is hard isn't it and I again I talk to clients about this a, a lot in that I talk about it I kind of got this weird analogy that I use mm-hmm. where being in this state that you're talking about, this comfortably numb state, it's like being in the revolving doors of a hotel. Yes. That's the way that I yeah. kind of describe it. And that you're so close to stepping out back into drinking, but you're also so close to stepping into sobriety. Yeah. And it's like, but yeah. people get trapped in the revolving doors for a very long time. I think I was there for 10 years, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Um, until, yeah. until I, you know, managed to look far enough into the hotel to realize it was a much nicer place than than outside but you know that's the thing exactly it, it's it's hard right it's like you have to sort of also you know kudos to people that even bother to get into the revolving doors because mm. a lot of people just drink mindlessly they don't really think about the consequences or that they're in maybe in heavy denial um, and they don't yeah. pay attention to how they're really feeling. They just know they feel a bit shit, but they get used to it. But people yeah. that at least get into the revolving doors are, you know, they're, they're, they're a step in. They're a step in the right direction. Mm. And they're probably more in that sober curious kind of phase. But, yeah, it's about, you know, if we had the, the magic ingredient to get people to step from the revolving doors into the hotel. Yeah. It, we would solve so much exactly exactly <laughs> that's what i mean it's yeah, it's getting people to re it's like i wish i could put my darkest well i wouldn't wish this on anyone but it's almost like you wish that you could get a projector screen on the wall and people could watch me at my worst because then they'd be like Do you know what like he's right like it's just not worth it um, and not everyone gets to the level that I did, obviously, but that's like what we're talking about here is it's like you don't have to get to that point. Mm, you will exactly. feel a million times better yeah. by just going for it. And then you'll realize, and like you said, it only takes a few months to six months. Or, I mean, I saw I saw improvements pretty soon, to be honest. But like yeah. we said, it's not a week <laughs> or a day. Yeah. It takes months, but yeah. it's worth the hard work. I mean, I lost as well. 
and we talk about um, physical health as well as mental health. I was, I've lost two stone in, um, well, I lost two stone really quickly just through healthy eating, yeah. not drinking booze. <laughs> and it wasn't hard. Like, it just kind of fell off me because I was doing things that I loved doing and excited me, but were also beneficial for my, for my health, you know, rather than, before I was so unhappy, I just eat junk food and then because that just comes hand in hand with the drinking, doesn't it? It does. And yeah. and it's just crazy. Like I've just I haven't had to buy like a whole new wardrobe because none of my clothes fit me. And, uh, that's a good problem to have, isn't it? You know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's I don't know. It's just um, it's just uh, I don't I can't I can't promote it enough. I think if everyone at least at least give it a go for a couple of months, and I bet you never go back is the thing yeah yeah and talk to me talk to me about um what have you learned about adhd and alcohol just for people that might be listening um yeah and you know might be thinking oh well you know that's interesting and and what does that look Mm. like and what have you learned about that yeah okay so adhd there's a lot of confusion or lack of uh, education on it really a lot of people think it's just naughty school kids but it's really not um but basically what it is for me was my executive functions don't work properly, which basically if you imagine your brain as a management system, the management system of your brain doesn't quite work properly. So it's like you've got an executive dysfunction, basically. And that means that you have trouble with the working or the cogs of regulating your emotions, mm-hmm. um, inhibition, inhibition self-awareness uh working memory uh i'm gonna forget all the others <laughs> um well i've forgotten them now anyway but basically things like you know the way you regulate your emotions your inhibitions your self-awareness your um your memory how you organize things like this so and also you're constantly chasing your dopamine levels aren't quite the same as, as neurotypical so you're constantly chasing dopamine um to level out your dopamine levels basically so that's why um substance use disorder sud is a massive thing for people with adhd i know i noticed um that conversation is coming up more in the last 12 months yeah and you're the first person that i've that i spoke to or heard of uh, that's a man that's had this actually Mm. it feels like it's being it's being uncovered quite a lot in women that have mm-hmm. issues with drinking and particularly like that 30s or kind of midlife, lots of women getting diagnosed yes. with ADHD, some autism and things like that. That because it's because it's because it's often it's often harder to diagnose, I think, in girls than maybe boys when you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's fascinating that link that's coming up i think yeah and and the the thing is with adhd now is a it's got a rep for it loves to be thrown around a lot so you're getting a lot of people saying they've got it and then doctors aren't really clued up enough not that Mm. i'm saying anything like that because i'm not professional myself i haven't got a clue but um there is this stigma now attached to is it even a thing everybody's kind of saying they've got it and if you do think you've got it, you do what I did. And I know it's not easy because private healthcare costs money. You know, I'm not just pretending it's easy because NHS do takes a long time. But make sure you get a proper assessment. Mine was six to seven hours long and I covered everything. So I know that I have it. And that was a lot to do with my cycles of trying to regulate my dopamine, which is why I turned to the drink so much. Mm. Um, but go and see your doctor and, and say, because I know people who've been to see the doctor and they get palmed off a bit. Um, but I, I say, A, it's got to be affecting your life. It's not just about lack of attention or over hyperactivity. It's if it, if those areas of your life are actually affecting your life. So with me, it was drinking, things like that. But go and speak to your GP properly and they, and they can refer you to someone and you can get looked at. It is definitely really beneficial. So I think there's a lot of people who have got it, but they don't, they don't understand it or they don't really get um, diagnosed mm. in the like quick enough or mm. do you know what I mean? I'm not being very clear here, but no, you are. Uh, I, think, I think you are. And I, and I think your advice is very sound. And like you said, even if you couldn't go down a private route and even if yeah. the route took 18 months, 
Uh, but if you had that suspicion that you might be, um, you know, you might have something like ADHD or or, or other things mm. or whatever, you could still go to the doctors and you could get a referral. And then in 18 months time, you might yeah, exactly. get some clarity. So it's not a reason to put it off just because it takes a long time. It's just if yeah. something resonates in this podcast, mm. it's worth exploring that. Because I, I I can appreciate that while some people don't maybe like the labels or don't want the label, for, for I do believe that for people um, that aren't sure why their brain maybe works a certain way, why mm-hmm. they find some comfort in, in in just knowing, you know? And, and I think yeah. Yeah. it creates some a positive shift for people then that's always going to be worth exploring well, a, a quick thing as well to mention really quickly is is the podcast kind of area because i i've learned everything from there's a great i don't know if i can promote this but there's a great podcast i mean she lives in america but <laughs> it's called i have adhd and it's Kristen carter um and she's been a game changer for me she's amazing and she kind of debunks all the kind of uh things that are real and things that aren't and, and she educates you on your uh, executive functionings and things like that so uh, like if you are thinking that you want to learn about it and, and get knowledge just listen to podcasts anything with Russell Barkley who's like the, the don of the ADHD world or Kristen Carter is what I would suggest because they're, they're amazing really good I, I always feel like there's very little that you can't learn listening to podcasts I, yeah podcasts seriously are life aren't they I mean the things yeah. that you learn it's <laughs> phenomenal phenomenal how it can help yeah. you yeah um oh what would be your top three tips for people looking to get or stay successfully sober um my I've got a list of about a million but mine is <laughs> con- uh connection 100% connection, find your tribe, find your people because that has helped me massively because when you're feeling like you want to reach out and talk to someone, you need you want people who are on the same journey as you, the same values as you, people who feel the same as you. You can talk about what they struggle with, what helps them, and it's just, yeah, so find your tribe 100%. Um, I would say set goals because if you have structure and because a lot of people think, oh, I want to quit drinking and then they just think about drinking the whole time. Mm-hmm. Do the opposite. Replace the drinking with other things. Like I think about running now or I think about, I used to think if I had a drink tonight, I wouldn't be able to go out and do my run in the morning and I, I value my run more than I do my hangover. So yeah. I, I would say plotting goals and, and have things yeah. to, to think about. And uh, I, well, my one is do it for you and be loud and proud because a lot of people are scared. A lot of people are embarrassed. There's so much stigma around it. It's the only drug that you have to explain why you don't do it and why you do. <laughs> um, weird, and it? it's so weird. And the, the world's changing now. It's great because there's so much sobriety, so much people now are opening their eyes to it more and more. Whereas back in the day, it was frowned upon now it's like come on like it's amazing so do it for you and be loud and proud I mean if you look at my socials I'm like probably too loud and proud (laughs) I it's so important (laughs) exactly exactly um and once you realize that people actually respect you for it and people will come to you and say you know what I'm thinking of doing the same and you've really inspired me that will make you feel better as well so 100%, yeah, connection, find your people, set yourself goals to work for, to work towards and to get excited about and do it for you because I did it for other people for a long time and I always failed. Mm, yeah, that's, su- that's such good advice. And I love that about the connection thing. I think that, you know, even through things like this podcast, I know your yeah. community, I've, I've got my Thrive community. We had a meeting last night and the ladies on there, yeah. apparently it's only women. Uh, maybe one day there'll be a male, male Thrive, but the minute it's just... <laughs> um, but, you know, one of the things that they were saying is just that there's just so much comfort in talking about something, even seemingly minor when it comes to not drinking, but yes. having a group of other people that go, oh, I get it. I feel, I get that. I feel that too. Or I've been there. This is what I, 
this is what I did. You're not stupid for feeling that way. And I just yeah, think there's exactly. so much in that. And, you know, there are other things as well. You know, obviously there's sober Instagram and there's tons of people now sharing their stories and inspiration. And it's a sort of, it's a really wonderful time to be on the wave, I think, of this. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Really auditing, auditing your social media was massive for me as well because I got rid of all the accounts of the people that are well we all know them influencers so forth and I replace them with motivation and sober people and it's just I love it now it's a game turn, changer actually that isn't it, it is a game changer yes. it is and yeah. you can turn something that's quite unhealthy in some respects into something that's massively healthy because yeah. I, so I love my yeah it's true isn't it yeah it it's, is it's true I, I love my um you know my sassy sober mum account it's just purely yeah inspiration uplifting stories people helping each yeah. other and you know it's just and, and then I've got I have got my personal Instagram which is literally just my friends people that I know <laughs> their kids yeah. beach, or you know <laughs> my family and that's really nice as well because that's just a place I always think that my personal Instagram which is private and it's you know it's closed off it's a nice yeah. I, I treat that like a virtual photo book so that when my children yeah, exactly. are 25 or whatever they've got this whole history they can see because no one prints off photos anymore do they I always say to myself no. I need to do that I need to do more of that but I never like feel like I ever get around to it um but you know, when it comes <laughs> to the sober Instagram I think that is um that if you don't cull the accounts even to be honest in the beginning even those friends mm. drink a lot like mute them. Seriously, just mute yeah. them. You don't have to yeah. friend them. You can just mute them. Take them out of your yeah. side because they can be a trigger for you. You can, you know, if you're Massively. having a bit of a low day, you can look at those people clinking champagne at 6 p.m. on a Friday night and you just mm. see the best version of that person because they're all you know, looking gorgeous yeah. and the sun's shining. And you look at that and that's going to make you feel like shit because you're going to just yeah. feel like missing out and all that stuff. So mute those people and bring in the new, bring in the... Social. It's so true. <laughs> it's well, so true. You your phone on in the morning or, you know, if you've got bad habits, that's the first thing I do. I shouldn't do that. I know that. Listen yeah, to I do podcast. that. <laughs> I'm so, just as bad. <laughs> don't put the bloody phone in front of your face first thing, but it's literally the first thing I do. And then you've got <laughs> uplifting stuff to look at and not stuff that's going to influence you in the wrong way so yeah really love exactly. that bit of advice yeah exactly really. um so um if you're open to sharing more about your journey and all the stuff that you get up to where can we find you um instagram is the best one um it's someone had luke bayless so i had to change it uh, it's luke bayless but it's with a double l on the luke so it's l l u k e B-A-Y-L-I-S-S. And uh, my door's always open. So if anyone wants to message me, feel free. It's a public account, so you don't have to add me or anything. Awesome. Uh, Luke, it's been it's been uh, such a pleasure to talk to you today and to hear me. Yeah, to hear your story. I thank you so much for being so open and transparent. And I really think that people like you are paving the way for other men hopefully other people but particularly other men to come forward and just be like yeah do you know what I'm going to take some of his advice and I'm going to try and change it I'm going to try even be a little bit loud about it so yeah exactly (laughs) just be be loud and proud be loud and proud yeah um thanks so much Luke and to everybody else thank you again for all your support please review rate the podcast if you have time and see you next time bye thank you so much for listening to this podcast if you're interested in being a guest please contact me directly on instagram by sending a message to at sassy sober mum you can also find helpful tools and resources on my website sassysobermum.com If you enjoyed the podcast and you want to spread the love, please like, share and rate the podcast. 
I really look forward to next time. See you then.